think that the Demogorgon cut the power and not that the building went on lockdown. Um, yeah, Owens presses the button and that's what it is. <laughs> you thought the Demogorgon's like, I don't know, I just genuinely thought that someone cut the power. No! Hello and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast brought to you by the Eviction Autos Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this week is going to be us, like, telling a cute little story about each other, just like they do at will um, this episode, um, but I think uh, we should all introduce ourselves before we do that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31-year-old artist and journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, B.C., I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. I forgot I didn't have a follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator and television critic. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. Does anybody have a memory that they want to start with? I'm just like, I'm I, trying to decide which one is not going to get me in trouble. What do you mean? Well, if it's, if it's too embarrassing, I will I will get slaughtered. But I did extremely like the night where of the Picard finale when Sam was drinking and had to write her <laughs> review. And she cried about Data for an hour straight. <laughs> like, no breaks, hydrating and crying for an hour. That was iconic to me. I just got really emotional about television. About good writing. Frequently. Yeah. I don't remember why this happened, um, but my memory involves Robin just leaving me a sticky note that just in the very corner says, the bird loves you. And um, I keep it in my bathroom because it reminds me of the little notes that I used to make for my mom and um, it makes me really happy. I don't remember doing that. <laughs> I have one of those saved in here. I deleted all of my notes except for the one that she wrote me that says, Hi, this is Robin, and I think Brittany is great. <laughs> I am really just uncreative, and the only thing I can think of is something that literally happened yesterday. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I'm so, already afraid. <laughs> so yesterday was Thanksgiving, um, the day that we are recording this. It's Canadian Thanksgiving. Um, so if you're American, you're like, hey, it's November 4th, which I think is the day that this episode comes out. And you're like, it hasn't been Thanksgiving yet. Yeah, thanks, Canadian Thanksgiving. Um, uh, and I was going to make my mom's stuffing. Uh, and I, Sam and I were making it together. And we were doing a very good job. And it was working. And I had never made it before. So it was going really well. Um, and then I misread uh, 0.375 cups as 3.75 cups and I put 3.75 cups of sugar into the stuffing mixture that was just and then I started crying because there's literally no way to fix it no and we we had just spent a bunch of time cutting up a bunch of onions and so I just start crying and Sam decides that she's gonna go to the store which luckily is right across the street for us um, <laughs> she goes to the store and she gets more onions. What a nice lady. And then we got to have stuffing last night and it was good. <laughs> God, that was so fun. I love that your story, though, is about you. It was about me. It was about Sam. I'm not being nice. Nick. 
She also texted me at the same time, and she was like, Robin is having a hard time, so I'm going to bring her back a treat. And I was like, this is the cutest effing thing in the entire world. Because before that, she had texted and said, I need this, this, and this. I thought she was giving me a grocery list. Mm. So I was like, okay, so I'll go to Michael's, and then I guess I'll stop at Safeway with the car, but we live across from the Safeway. Everything will be fine. Then reread it, and I was like, I was in Safeway already. <laughs> She's already done it. So basically, all of our stories are just us living together. Just about Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and none about me, thank God. No, I like I like you. Okay, no, I'm glad. Oh, okay. There's a lot of things about me to make fun of. Uh, um, just so that there's a, a nice thing Brittany did story in this little group. Um, I was asleep today because I needed a nap, uh, which is very rare for me. And I, I had messed up our laundry twice yesterday and just struggled a lot and then I was like half asleep and I heard Brittany put it in the dryer and I was just like thank you the bar is on the floor for me <laughs> no, it was a nice nice <laughs> Brittany's like hey weird that nothing was about uh, about me and we're like here's some nice things about you and Brittany's just like Oof, I'm, I'm trash, right? No, I was trying to make a joke out of like, ah, none of it was about me. Like, I didn't get roasted. Mm. <laughs> That's, that, was, that was the energy I was looking to bring into this conversation. Gotcha. Today we have words to say about episode 208 of Stranger Things, The Mind Flayer. This episode will contain spoilers for all three seasons of Stranger Things. Uh, this, is a, this is a big one. Uh, yikes. I think yeah. you, you could definitely say that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I found on... Uh, Stranger Things wiki was like, ironically, the Mind Flayer does not appear in the episode, um, which is pretty funny, but they do coin, like, the yeah. name of the Mind Flayer, so it's important. They discover yeah. what the Mind Flayer actually is. Um, it also said that this episode won an Emmy Award for outstand- Outstanding Sound Editing for a Comedy or Drama Series. Maybe from all the snarls? I Well, I think it's, like, the montage, like, the incredible montage music, and I also think um, that scene when they're, like, telling stories to Will, and there's just full-on no music. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's that plus all of the stuff at Hawkins Lab because, like, yeah. you have the monsters and mm-hmm. Fair the enough. chasing. And, You're like, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Snarling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It it deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, for this episode, there are kind of some different storylines, but they all kind of converge pretty early. And so we decided we're just going to do this episode chronologically. Just kind of have to. Just kind of have to. Um, so I think we're, uh, Brittany did the first third. I sure did. I'd like to hear your summary if you don't mind. Oh my guess. All right. All right. Big monsters come out and Hopper and Owens just kind of stand there and stare because Jurassic Park hasn't come out yet and they don't know that monsters can get through doors. <laughs> Everyone decides to pale because the demo dogs are on the case, but it's a bloodbath. Mike suggests knocking Will out so he can't be tracked. Will freaks out and hesitates too long when Joyce asks him if he knows who she is. So he goes out. Night, night. Hopper arrives and everyone makes a run for it. They hide in a security room full of monitors. Handy! Max and Billy's parents get home and realize Max bounced. They ask Billy where she is, but he's effing useless. His dad reveals that he's also abusive, and it's like, that sucks. Wish you hadn't passed on your trauma to an innocent kid. Steve, Dustin, Lucas, and Max walk and spill tea about Dart being super dangerous and totally a demogorgon. Lucas and Dustin scream about Dart and Max, but luckily Steve breaks it up with some plot stuff. Owens explains the building is in lockdown and they need to reset the power because the writers at least have seen Jurassic Park. Bob and Hopper head out. Bob doesn't know how to use a gun. I'm sure he'll be fine. They make a pact to get everyone out no matter what. They're good boys. Nancy and Jonathan run into Steve and his many children. He just has so many children. (laughs) Bob heads down to reset the power and finds a lot of bodies. Jesus. Bob pulls an Ellie and lifts the lever to get the power back on. The kids can't get in and Bob gets the doors open. Ta-da! The kids can't get in? 
Yeah, they can't well, get they in from the outside. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. That's um, So why don't we why don't we start with all the Jurassic Park stuff? Because I didn't pull any of that out because I only saw it once. Literally, that's that's all I pulled out. It was like, oh, this is just Jurassic Park. They're like it's the they use the T Rex sound and the raptor sounds and the um. So the whole scene of Bob going down instead of Hopper and, like, hacking into the system, that's all Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, in Jurassic Park, it's Ellie and Dr. Hold on. Samuel L. Jackson. No. Who are, who are you talking about? Ellie, you Ellie argues with Hammond. Hammond about going down to uh, fix the power for the fences. Yeah. And Bob here, Bob argues with Hopper. And Bob is clearly more suited to do it, even though Hopper is more muscly. Mm-hmm. Um, more muscly. <laughs> he sure is. And then, so that's another reference. And then once he gets there, he uh, has to, like, pump the uh, the, the breakers, basically. And they're, like, the giant levers, um, which is what Ellie has to do when she gets there. And then the lights come back on, and that's the same thing. And then uh, he also has to hack the computer system to turn the door locks which is ex- on, which is Jurassic also Park. exactly Jurassic Park, because Lex has to hack the computer system to turn the door locks mm-hmm. on. My first note is just, like, how are Hopper and Owen so chill, just, like, standing there, just, like, looking at it? Right. <laughs> I'm like, I would be out of there. First of all, I wouldn't even be there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And Owen's is like, oh, it's impossible to get through that. Are you sure? I'm like, I don't know that I believe you, sir. Have you tried? Yeah. So the building goes on lockdown, and, like, thanks for the emergency light, but, like, why does it make it so creepy? Like, I feel like if it was real, you would you would want the whole building to light up everywhere so you could safely mm. leave the building, you know what right. I mean? But maybe that's just me. Uh, and so Owens uh, takes Hopper up the stairs and honestly just, like, saves their lives because the people in the elevator just get, like, brutally, brutally killed. Yeah. Like, that would be so scary because you're, like, fully trapped. Mm-hmm. There's a nowhere for you to go. Why did I think that the Demogorgon cut the power and not that the building went on lockdown? Um, yeah, Owens presses the button and that's what it is. <laughs> you thought the Demogorgon's, like, sweet I genuinely thought that someone cut the power. No! I love that. I get that he's, like, I guess locking the Demogorgon's in, but that's, yeah. like, so... It, you're gonna kill everybody in the building, then. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, I think that the the main thing that he was doing was warning everybody else in the building to, like, mm. get out. Because everybody other than, like, our heroes have, like, key cards, I right, think to that, get themselves out. And I think that... I think that Hopper has a key card. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk we'll about talk that later. later. Yeah. I think... Yeah, I think it was a warning, is what it was. Because the Demogorgons don't have... Key cards. <laughs> what do you mean they don't have key cards? What? So this is like, you know, just another example of like why you don't take the elevator in an emergency. Exactly. <laughs> when I tell you, I'm not even sure that I remember the plot of this episode, but I specifically remember there being an episode of That's So Raven about not taking the elevator in an emergency. I actually, I feel like you're right. The boys in motion were in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the boys in motion. And so whenever there's like an emergency or whatever, and they're like, take, take the stairs, I'm like, I learned that from the boys in motion. <laughs> and so Mike says that they need to take out Will because he's a spy, and Will just gets like way too defensive about it. Then the elevator opens, like some other people come up to the elevator, and the elevator opens, and everybody in there is just like, Annihilated. Completely destroyed. 
I really like the moment with Will mm-hmm. because I think Noah does an incredible job and yeah. I think Winona does an incredible job. Like, the two of them in this episode in particular and, like, the one two episodes ago mm-hmm. are just, like, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I also really like when... Sorry, are you coming back to this or are we just, Which like... Part? The, the, part, the mom part? The knocking him out. That's basically it right here is uh, Will takes a little too long to register Joyce as a mom and so she has to make the difficult choice to sedate him. Yeah. I, I just really think everybody does a good job in this scene and I wanted to also say that having Mike just like cover his ears because yeah. Will is screaming is such a good little detail that reminds you like these are little kids mm-hmm. because he's scared and his friend is literally screaming right in front of him while he has to be like put to sleep. Mm-hmm. And of course, that makes it difficult now because they also have to, like, carry him around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can't run for himself. He's, like, dead weight now. Yeah. Um, I love that Hopper runs in to, like, find everybody. He doesn't even ask. Like, he just sees that Will is out. He sees that Joyce is holding the needle. He just immediately grabs for him. He doesn't yep. even ask. It's really lucky that they were, like, right beside the security camera room. That was ho- that was hilarious. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. You can conveniently see where every demodog is? Isn't that great for you? I remember, like, before we watched it, I was like... Okay, Doc Owens must know where to go. Mm-hmm. But it's not. They just go into whatever room is most yeah. convenient. Yeah. And it happens to be the security room. Mm-hmm. And so then the electricity goes out completely. Um, perhaps because the demodogs cut it. But who's to say? I would like to think that the demodogs used their little paws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not. You're saying that they didn't pick up scissors? I, you know what? They might have. They might have. They might have. So now we move into a scene with... Uh, Billy and his father and his stepmother, mm. Max's mom. So they come home and their names are Susan and Neil. And I just wanted to say that this Neil, this dad named Neil, does not speak for all dads named Neil. It's as, true. As my dad is named Neil mm-hmm. and he's not this man. Billy stopped smoking inside challenge. Billy just stopped smoking challenge. Uh, Billy just stopped yeah. challenge. Yeah, Billy Ooh, just I like, Billy puts cologne down his pants. Well, your crotch has to smell nice. Well, he's expecting a blowjob. Of course. But then Can you imagine wanting to give a blowy and smell cologne? That's the thing. It's It's like better than crotch smell. All right. For sure. But now it's like, but But now it's crotch smell mixed with cologne. Oh, and And, you know what? Pick a struggle. And also like cologne isn't for mouths. Also (gasps) true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that poison? I don't know. I don't think so, but it would just be deeply <laughs> well, like, do you unpleasant. Think you put it on or just around? Unclear. I mean, I, okay, <laughs> are we asking whether he put it down the underwear or down the pants? Is that what we're asking? No, I'm. Or are we asking on, if he went down the pants? Did he put it on his balls and his dick or on his? This is really like important. <laughs> his pubic area. I'm gonna say pubic area because I feel like it would burn otherwise. I, yeah, I feel like you yeah. can't put it on your dick. Yeah, because he does smile afterwards, so I feel like if if it hurt, then he wouldn't have done. I hate this conversation. Who knows? <laughs> I hate this conversation. I mean, I secretly love it, but like, you know. Billy had full on no idea that Max was gone. Um, like, it's literally been hours and he didn't notice. However, like, to play the devil's advocate, literally, because Billy's don't. horrible. Um, he had no reason to believe that she wouldn't have just stayed in her room. You know, it's not like they hang out. Oh, for okay, sure. I guess that's kind of fair. Yeah. I'm not happy about it, but you're yeah. right. But he doesn't really have any reason to think that she would have left. Yeah, I get that. I, I don't love that, but I think you're right. So he says that they were three hours late and that he has a date, so he's going to go do that. Um, and he was planning on just leaving Max there 
since they were they were late, which honestly probably would have been fine. Like she's yeah. like, she's like thirteen, and when I was thirteen, I was already at my own babysitter, and also babysitter of other people's children at that and point. Me as well. Fair enough. So she probably would have been fine. I don't think Max even needs a babysitter, but um, I was definitely my sister's babysitter by then. Yeah. Uh, so I mean that wasn't a good idea, but I was. <laughs> Okay, so let's now talk about this. Um, Billy's dad uses the F slur, um, the one against gay people, um, and he, the way he uses it is that it seems like he thinks that caring about your appearance is gay behavior. Like, yeah. he says that because he's looking in, a, in the mirror all the time is what makes him gay yeah, in a bad way. Yeah, it's like way. effeminate. Mm-hmm. Which is not surprising because... Even when, like, I know for me, and I think probably you guys, when you were in high school, everything that was, like, effeminate was called gay. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so gay. It, like, caring about people. It's like, oh, you have an emotion? Gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, like, now is just such a stupid thing to, like, thank you. Yes, I do have emotions. Oh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. That's I, like, And favorite. I'm gay. It's a bonus. You yeah. got it right. That's my favorite roast, because <laughs> I'm like, you sound so stupid. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, it's very, it, it makes sense, especially in this moment, that that's a, what his dad would use, because we're going straight to, like, having his dad be all of the worst abusive tropes, tropes of, like, toxic mm-hmm. masculinity and abuse, and, uh, of course he would. And Billy, who's, like, obsessed with, like, being a fox, I guess, and trying to, like, <laughs> seduce, seduce every woman that he can get his hands on... It makes sense that that would be something that would make him feel inferior Mm -hmm. because he's very about being heterosexual. I know that you're right and I'm upset about it. Yeah, when I was in high school, um, I was definitely uh, part of the very large, long generation of saying gay as a bad thing, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was never really... um, And, like, this also could just be, like, my friend group and the way I was raised and everything, but I never really, like, thought of it as a correlation between the sexuality and mm, the yeah. and the insult. Mm, yeah. um, and I never heard the F word, like, the F slur. I never heard it. And I think that that was um, also because I was a woman and my friends were women and um, the F slur wasn't really used with women or gay women at all mm-hmm. um, because being a, like... A gay woman, or of course, like a lot of people, like not everybody, because bisexuality is obviously a real thing, but a lot of people were coming out as bisexual before they came out as gay. It's just like a transition thing that you do, that people can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and But that was seen as like a good thing for right. women. Right. But not for men, obviously, because mm-hmm. yuck. <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, but I never heard the F slur because uh, it just like wasn't part of my group because nobody was calling my friends that nobody was calling me that because that's was more like a male thing to say to other dudes yeah which is just bad all around yeah i think that i was part of like in high school unfortunately people just did say that's gay yeah but like i also was figuring out that i was gay in high school so like i didn't i like you said i didn't ever connect it with the sexuality as laughing about something being gay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I also definitely heard the F slur, but from family members, so. Right. Oh, great. That's a great thing to hear as a young queer woman. Yeah. Well, I think I heard it from my my uncle talking about gay people in general. 
See, I definitely heard it because, not the F slur, um, but using gay as a joke because I, I definitely had men in my friend group and a lot of them were like, spent a lot of time on like 4chan and like places like that. Mm-hmm. And like, that was when gaming was just starting to become a thing. So there was a lot of like that insidiousness that like crept into like their like vernacular. And so I joined the um, Straight and Gay Alliance, like Saga at our school and my friend ran it. And I always thought it was so odd I, that she ran it and she was straight. But there was, like, no one in it but, like, us. And, of course, at the time, I thought she, I was straight. Do you know if she's still straight? Yes, yeah, she's still straight. Wow. Yeah. Well, she, I mean, good for her. Though. Yeah, no, it was, like, a good thing. But I was just, like, shouldn't a gay person be leading this? But, of course, like, no one really wanted to be out because if you were out, you got bullied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, like, you're like I'm, the, I'm the straight part of the alliance. <laughs> yeah, and, like, that's, like, mostly what it was was just, like, mostly straight people or people who, like, thought they were straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, like, this thing where we would – it was such a loser thing to do, but we'd be like, say gay the right way, because, like, it was such a problem at our school. Mm. And my sister used to make fun of me for, like, saying stuff like that, and then later, of course, realized, oh, you had a point there, and I was like, I know, usually I do, it takes me a while, but I have one. Like, did it have to be a rhyme? No. But, no! But, but my heart was in the right place. Exactly! <laughs> I went to, like, one, not in high school, but in, uh, I went to community college before going to university, and I went to one meeting of the, like, gay-straight alliance there and immediately just turned around because it was, like, three older people and, like, one dude. And I was like, I, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. This is for other people. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, these are, they're good in theory. And I think with time, they would be good in practice. It's just, it's a, it's a delicate balance. It's a delicate balance. Mm-hmm. But, um, be nice to gay people. <laughs> that's that's nice my point. Be nice to everyone, but specifically gay people. <laughs> yeah. Be extra nice to gay people. Um, They've been through a lot. And, I've like, if you're, if you're a straight person and you want to give me a dollar for being, for having, have been gay. Um, In the South. Still being gay. You, you can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very gay and I'd like a few dollars. <laughs> So yeah, Billy says she's 13, she shouldn't need a babysitter, and like I said, he's right, most 13-year-olds are babysitters, so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's a conversation that I think me and Brittany were having when I was doing my notes on this episode. Um, have they been gone all week, or just in the evenings, or something like that, because um, Billy says, you guys have, uh, I've been taking care of her all week. And so Brittany was like, oh, have they been gone for a full week and he's been taking care of her the whole time? That's what I assumed. Yeah, and I was like, I don't think so. Like, that's not really how it seems or whatever. Like, it seems like they were just kind of, like, on a date or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then again, like, I was thinking about it and Billy is the one who, um, like, drives her everywhere. Exactly. and And I don't know if that's a, Billy, drive your sister to the arcade or I'm... Or you're grounded. Yeah, or whatever. Or if it was, like... Billy, I want to go to the arcade and you're the only person who's around to drive me. I don't, I, like, I don't know. Yeah, that's un, that's very unclear. Mm-hmm. So his dad hits him and um, he starts spouting stuff about respect and responsibility, but doesn't show respect to his own son. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like the thing that he's specifically, like, berating him on is having respect for women. And then he turns around and calls whoever Billy's date is a whore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, he's like, respect Susan, respect Max. And it's like, okay, is that it? And then every other woman. Who cares? Yeah. And 
you, who cares, you know? So it's just, like, such a hypocritical thing for him to do to be, like, spouting all these things about respect and responsibility and then turn around and just be disrespectful to basically everyone except for his poor wife. I think what he really means is respect me. Right. Because I have all the power. I'm in charge. And, and res- if you don't respect me, I will kill you. And respect the people who I want you to respect. And, like, just so we're 100% clear, this is the epitome of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't even know that it's, like respecting max or her mother Mm -hmm. it's doing it because he said so right yeah and like you said like respect the people that i want you to but like through a through a lens of like because i told you to Mm -hmm. not because it's the right thing to do right because then he wouldn't be calling whoever his date is a whore and just like being a generally terrible person Mm -hmm. right and like in season three we sort of get flashbacks to billy's mom and like her leaving i think because Billy's dad is so terrible. So I feel in my bones that he also probably hits Susan because mm-hmm. she just stands there and does nothing. I think that's entirely accurate. And I can't even be mad at her for it. Oh, yeah. Because she, like, she's obviously also afraid. Yeah. I just like, and we've talked about, um, I think in previous episodes, about why Max was brought here to Hawkins instead of just left with her father. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird to me that Susan would have brought Max along knowing that she was bringing her into a abusive household. But then you guys were talking about how like sometimes like she might not have known. Yeah. Yeah. It's entirely possible. Yeah. It's entirely possible she didn't know or that um it was just something she was willing to make a deal with the devil about. Mhm. But either way, I think it's hard because I do have empathy for her. Um, I have less so for Billy, not because he's a man, but because he chooses to pass that abuse on. Right. Yeah. And I think just morally that's horrific. Yeah, I agree. I think that obviously this is supposed to humanize Billy. And I think I have a fun fact from IMDb. Yes, uh, down here. Uh, Dacre Montgomery lobbied the Duffer brothers for the scene between Billy and his father saying that I can't just play bad because nobody is just bad. Um, And of course this does humanize Billy. It gives us more insight into why he is the way he is, but I certainly can't forgive him for the way he acts just because of this, you know, um, you need to stop the cycle of violence Mm -hmm. and Billy's just a kid. He doesn't, he's just um, lashing out in the only way that he knows how to cope. Right. Oh, yeah, because it's the it, his only form of control is having power over other people. Like, psychologically, it all checks out. It's mm-hmm. pretty cut and dry. It's just that, you know, because we're outsiders looking in, we're like, oh, this person is bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, next season they try and, um, like, you know, Billy dies as a hero, if I remember correctly, like, saving Max. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that's all well and good, but we can't forget all of the terrible things that he's done as well. Like, yeah... And I think, like, when people are like, oh, Billy was a hero, I'm like, no, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a heroic thing, for sure. He did a heroic thing, but it didn't excuse all of the rest of the stuff that he did. And I think in another life, if he'd had access to proper therapy and proper resources, he could have been a really good person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he wasn't. I agree. Um, yeah, my next note was, is Susan okay? What's Susan's deal? And we kind of discussed that already. Mm-hmm. Billy apologizes to Susan because his dad makes him. Um, and Susan says that it's fine. Uh, but Neil says that it's not okay. His behavior is not okay. And he needs to go and cancel his date and go find Max. Um, he calls Billy's date a whore. And gosh, am I ever not excited to talk about next episode <laughs> when Billy goes to find Max and goes to Mike's house and... 
tries I, to seduce Karen. I am oh just my so God. grateful that they, like, cut that off in the first yeah. episode of season three. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I love Karen, um, and I think she should get more screen time and, like, be more respected as a mom. Because especially in season one and early season two, I thought she did, like, a really good job of, like, trying to, like protect her kids while the while they're like just constantly lying to her and then this happened and I was like when I said I wanted more screen time I, that's that's not what I meant I didn't mean make her a pedophile you know yeah I didn't mean make her a pedophile I didn't mean like have her cheat on her husband like uh, no and like luckily she does not thank god but the thing that I thought was so weird about that was, like, if they were going to just, like, cut that off at the beginning of season three, then, like, why did you make it in every single trailer? And why is it yep. still, like, the picture that you see when you click on Stranger Things on Netflix? I know? think they were going for some kind of, like, Mrs. Robinson thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, not and I- realizing that, like, as a culture, we have long moved on from that kind of energy. And, like, I don't think that, um when they wrote it into season two, that they were going to cut it off immediately in season three. Yeah. like I think they saw how negative the response was to Billy in general. Like, Dacre, a babe. Of course. People who are attracted to Dacre, you're valid. He's very hot. But, uh, no. <laughs> to Billy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Billy is a bad person. His hair is terrible. What are you all he's, talking he's about? He's abusive and racist and he has a... He has a bad mullet. Like, it's not even a good, good mullet. It's just bad. Yeah. You know what? That's tea. That is a really bad mullet. And he has one of those, like, creepy little mustaches that you just make... I just want to punch him. <laughs> so, like, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't call people whores. Don't call women whores. Don't call teens whores. Don't call anyone's whore. <laughs> don't call... Don't, don't call, call my whore. Don't call... <laughs> don't call Don't call her. Um... But, like, not only is he calling a woman a whore, but he, like, she's a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, she's a, a literal, a literal teenager. Yeah. Um, he keeps calling Max Billy's sister. Um, and he just keeps insisting on this, even though Billy just constantly is insisting that she's not his sister. Which she isn't. So, like, that's fine. Stepsister. For sure. Yeah. But, of course, I think that Neil thinks that if he keeps insisting that Billy think of her as a sister, that he might be more, like... Feel responsibility yeah. for her. Yeah, and be more inclined to respect her because he wants her, he wants him to respect her specifically and no one else. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also a sign of his virility in the family if he can influence Billy into accepting his blended idea of their family, then he has even more power over them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it all comes back to, like, the dad's masculinity. So they leave and Billy cries and this sucks, but once again, it doesn't excuse his behavior. Sorry. Yeah. So um, moving on, we go to the train tracks with Steve and the kids. Um, They talk about how Dart molted three times already. And uh, on IMDb, we have some uh, science for you. Oh my God, I love science. Um, I love the person who wrote this comment um, specifically for a certain uh, sentence in here. So um, here we go. Uh, Dustin's example for skin shedding is hornworm. While hookworms, tapeworms, pinworms, and flatworms are nasty intestinal parasites, hornworms are the caterpillars of hawk moths. Over 1,400 species of hawk moth. Dustin might have thought of that critter before any of any other of the over 800,000 species of critters on Earth that molt because of lost and forgotten yurtle. <gasps> yurtle! Yurtle, the turtle! Hornworms are raised and sold in pet stores as turtle and lizard food. Well, that makes perfect sense, actually. Yeah. So they walk back on the train tracks just like Dustin and Steve did. 
but like the opposite way. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and now it's dark because it's night. And um, Lucas did not know about the cat. And uh, Steve remembers Dustin's cat's name, which is really sweet. Um, and now Lucas knows that Dustin had Dart in his house. And Steve just continues to keep laughing, <laughs> even though Dustin is like basically just doing like the just out loud equivalent, shut up. like the out loud equivalent of like, dude, shut stop. up, stop, yep, no, stop it, shut up. We're not talking about that right now. He's just so stupid. This whole episode is <laughs> like just Steve being really dumb. Like he just keeps saying the wrong thing and just asking all of the questions, which is like I appreciate. He truly is the epitome of himbo. He truly is a himbo. Yeah. Um, so now Lucas knows that Dustin had dark in his house, and they he broke the law by lying and putting them in danger. And Dustin says that so did Lucas by telling Max, who is a stranger, and he shines the light straight in her face. Yeah. <laughs> Dustin says that that means they're even. Um, however, I'm team Lucas about this because Dustin's thing was way worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Dustin, that was a Demogorgon. Like, uh... I'm on team Lucas on this one. I am sure. on Lucas's team forever and always with this entire thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. So they hear a creepy sound and they start heading towards it. And Max is like, huh? Because women are smart and they don't head towards the scary sounds. <laughs> She's like, hey, maybe no. And they're like, oh, well, you have a point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess we could not head towards the thing that would kill us. But like, whatever. So the building goes down, goes on lockdown if there's a power outage. So when he pressed... The button, I guess it was just the warning sound and wasn't the lockdown. The building went on lockdown because there was a power outage. Why? That makes no sense, like, logic-wise to me. If there's a power outage, you don't know what's going on. You might want need to have to leave the building. I think it was probably because they house dangerous things. And maybe somebody would have cut the power just to get inside? It, yeah. Oh. And, like, I guess you're, you're expected to... Or, like, if the... Because they're also, like have no that's season three never mind <laughs> they have i was gonna say they have that giant machine that is like oh yeah draws a lot of power mm -hmm. but i don't know they're obviously like working with a lot of like dangerous things mm -hmm. like britney said and it's probably because if the power goes out and something comes back through like it does and Shit's like we dangerous. assume everyone has key cards so they should be able to leave while keeping the other one, like, the whatever's inside. Exactly. Right. Um, so Hopper wants to go and do the heroic thing, but Bob is more qualified. And Hopper wants Bob to teach him a literal computer language right now. <laughs> and Bob's like, um, that doesn't really, that doesn't really make sense. Uh, I love that he calls him, I love that he calls him Jim. Um, and that he's got so much confidence now because he's in his element. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's like, we don't have time for all of that. And he tells Joyce that he's going to be okay because he's a superhero. He is the cutest effing thing, and I am still so sad that he doesn't make it out of this episode. I love that man. So he and Hopper grab a guard for his gun and communication device, and Hopper's like, Bob, do you know how to use a gun? And Bob's like, uh, no? no? Like, who do you think I am? He's like, shooter-to-shooter -shooter video games haven't uh, been invented yet. Yeah. I really love how half of this job that they need to do is Hopper's specialty, and the other half is Bob's, but Hopper is able to teach his specialty fairly quickly, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whereas Bob was literally like, I cannot teach you that right now. It's like, it's literally um, gonna take you 15 billion years. Would be easier for me to teach you French. Yeah. That honestly made me laugh. <laughs> So Bob tries to tell Hopper not to wait for him, and Hopper promises to get everyone out, even if Bob doesn't make it. They are good people. Hopper's like, yeah, I was always intending on leaving you behind. Well, I love that- No. Um, uh, <laughs> it was a joke. I, I love 
how like non-toxic this love triangle is. Yes. Yeah. Because Hopper and Bob are like fully just ready to work together and it's just great. They have no problems with each other. Like they respect each other. They know each other. Like there might be jealousy there, but it's not like a toxic kind of jealousy. Mm-hmm. Like I would argue that in season three, Hopper actually has a lot of little bit of toxicity with the way he approaches and talks to Joyce, which is mm-hmm. disappointing because was, he did, they did it so well this season. Yeah. That was exactly what I was gonna say because like they do it, they execute it so perfectly this season. Like there's no resentment of Bob. He doesn't like treat Bob like a bad person. Mm-hmm. He's like happy for them, even though like you can tell when he looks at Joyce that he loves her very much. And then season three is like. Let's have Hopper act like a man-child for some reason that doesn't make any sense. That's very out of character for him. I think they were trying to go for, like, rom-com things, and it just fell so flat. It was very, like, leaning into the 80s trope of, like, jealousy, but Mm -hmm. it's not... But, like, you can keep the setting 80s while keeping the tropes fresh. It's it's just really weird that they... Because they they saw how mad people were that they did the jealousy trope in season 2 with Max and Eleven and Mike, and had... Mike, or had Max and Eleven become, like, best friends, which was great and perfect, mm-hmm. and then they were like, okay, but we're gonna do it with Hopper, and I'm like, why? Oh, why? He was, he was great before, why did you mess him up? So, Nancy and Jonathan can't get in because the power is off, obviously, um, and they can't get it to come back on, um, they hear something in the woods, but it's just the kids, and Steve? Steve? Which I loved just as a, like, comedy moment of them being like, <laughs> Steve? Which, like, uh, makes sense because in what world would they have guessed that Steve would be there? Like be involved in any of this. Mm-hmm. Or like with the kids for some reason. Bob is such like a normal chill guy that I can't imagine like seeing all of these like just completely like marred dead bodies at once. And you just have to be like, okay, time to carry on with business. Yeah, uh, that just is horrifying to me. So Bob goes, he gets the power back on and on IMDb it said, um, Bob braves the Oh, here you go. Bob breaks the creatures in order to get the power back on in the lab compound, not unlike Laura Dern's character in Jurassic Park. Hell yeah! So the button still won't work outside, and Dustin thinks that if he tries, it'll just work, um, but he's literally just not doing not doing anything differently than Jonathan. Listen, listen. Sometimes blind faith gets you through things. Sure. But his walkie is working. Bob's walkie, that is. Um, he's just doing his computer stuff, and he unlocks all of the doors. He gets I'm them unlocked. So good to go. Um, and that is the first part. Hey, would you guys like to do everybody's favorite, uh, everybody's favorite segment on the Stranger Things yes! podcast? It's called, um, actually? It's men mansplaining things. All right, here we go. Um, actually, when Jonathan and Nancy arrive at the guardhouse, there are no guards there. The guards wouldn't simply abandon their post when the alarm sounded. Also, when the power went out and didn't allow the gate to open, the guards would have been trapped outside along with Jonathan and Nancy. (laughs) What? That one's kind of fair. I'm just like, yeah, where are they? I mean, I'm also a coward, so (laughs) I'd also be like, I don't want to be inside. I'll just be out here (laughs) with the guards thing. And then as soon as something scary happens, I'd be like, bye. (laughs) I honestly just assume they got eaten. But the Demogor- they're not out there. I don't know! They came from, uh, beneath. Yes. Uh, actually, as Joyce and Jim narrowly escape the Demodogs in Hawkins' lab, they exit through a set of doors that have no locking mechanism and push out to exit. Seconds later, five or six Demodogs slam against the same set of doors but cannot push them o- open. Sam thought of a, uh, a reason for this when we were watching. Uh, I, I do think, because Robin pointed out this, um, actually to us before, uh, we recorded this podcast and before we rewatched for our notes, I, uh, thought about 
I, was, I paid extra close attention to this moment also because I love this moment. I'm pretty sure that we're supposed to believe that Hopper scans a key card because the door like turns, like he must like have it on his hip or something. Mm -hmm. And cause there's a little green square that like goes off before they go through. And then once they're through the doors, the like mechanism that he swiped is red again. So I think oh. the doors are locked. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Um, actually, when Nancy announces that the lights had come back on within the government facility, all the lights seem to be working perfectly. At least some of them should be flickering since the Demogorgon and Demodogs have some type of effect on them. Uh, okay. That's a good point. It's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Because that's the whole thing is the lights flickering and later in the episode it happens. I honestly, that never even crossed my mind. Yeah. Uh, actually, BASIC was a real programming language, which was highly popular back in the 1980s. But the acronym stands for Beginner's All-Purpose Symbolic Instruction Code. The important word be here being beginner. It was a simple, human-readable programming language that even complete novices could master quickly. No programmer would ever have considered writing security or any other mission-critical code, least of all for a secret government scientific laboratory in mm -hmm. BASIC. They would have used... COBOL, or FORTRAN, or even PASCAL, which I don't know anything about those last three. I've heard of Pascal. Mm -hmm. I've heard of COBOL because um, that's our cat's name. It sure is, but I named him after a planet from Battlestar Yeah, this one's spelled with a C as well. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that is a good point. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> That's a very fair point. Yeah. Bob's like, oh, who do you think I am, Jim? And Jim's like, I know how to read English, so I'd probably be fine. Uh, actually, Joyce reminds Will about his 120 count box of crayons. Oh, the 120 crayon box by Crayola was not introduced until 1998. There is also no historical record of any other crayon brand producing a crayon box with 120 colors. I love that one. Just because of how petty it is. It's right. so nitpicky. It makes me mm -hmm. want to scream. But also, uh, good catch, I guess. Yeah. Right. And also, I'm like, Crayola, what took you so long? <laughs> yeah. 120 colors? That seems like a no-brainer to me. Isn't that, like, the one that is the most popular now? Probably, because, no. like, you get the most amount of colors for your book. Oh, exactly. So now we're going to move into the third, or the, the second third of, uh, of the episode, and Sam uh, did that one. Yes, I did. Bob gets the doors unlocked and the power back on. Outside, the gate's open for the kids, but inside, Bob is cornered by a rogue demodog. He turns the sprinklers on and it works so he can get away. Hopper lifts Will and he and Joyce and Mike make to leave as well. Uh, Doc Owens decides that he'll stay and watch cams while the rest of them escape to make sure that their path is clear. He hands them a walkie and tells them to get out of there. Hopper and the gang make it to the door scot-free, but Bob needs Owens' help. Owens walks him step by step. Owens talks him out step by step. He has to hide in a storage closet because another lone demodog has approached. The monster lurks menacingly outside the door as Bob tries not to make a sound. After a moment, it continues on and Bob can breathe again. On his way out of the storage closet, however, a mop falls and alerts the Dog to his presence. In slow motion, we see the monster realize that Bob is there and he runs for his life as it chases him. When he finally gets to Joyce and traps the Dog behind a pair of doors, uh, he smiles at Joyce and she smiles back thinking that they've both made it. Another Dog appears out of nowhere and attacks Bob violently and painfully killing him as Joyce screams in horror. Hopper comes back inside and tries to kill it, but it's too late, there's too many of them. He hauls Joyce outside with Will and Mike, and Jonathan rolls up to drive them away to safety. Hopper picks up the rest of the kids who are waiting at the gate as we close out on Bob being consumed by the Demodogs. At the buyer's residence, Jonathan talks to an unconscious Will and apologizes for not being there for him when this happened. Hopper angrily reports the incident to someone on the phone who clearly doesn't understand the severity of the situation, and Mike is frustrated that they can't do anything right this second. 
Hopper goes to check on Joyce, who's sitting in her room in shock and sadness as she mourns Bob. He doesn't say anything, but he comforts her by joining her in silence. Everyone takes in the loss that they've just experienced, remembering good things about Bob. Mike tells them how he was the original founder of Hawkins AV and that they can't let him die in vain. Mike realizes that they need to stop the mind flare in order to stop his army of demodogs. Everything is connected. It's a hive mind. The boys explain the monster to everyone else via their science classes and D&D analogies. If they kill the mind flare, they kill everything it controls. They don't know how to kill it, but they know that they're running out of time and they can't wait for backup. Joyce joins them and says that she wants to kill it. Mike realizes that Will knows what the Mind Flayer knows. They come up with a plan to disguise the shed where Will first got taken by the Demogorgon so that they can question Will without letting uh, him spy for the Mind Flayer. Nancy tells Steve that it was really cool that he helped the kids. It's not an apology, but maybe it's starting to get there. <laughs> um, Dustin apologized to Lucas for lying about Dart, and he tells Lucas that he can sense the electricity between he and Max. Max tells Mike that she understands why Elle was their mage, and Mike continues to bully her for absolutely no reason. She keeps being nice anyway. Anyway, cue shed montage. I love the shed montage. The shed montage. <laughs> Aces. So, um, Dustin's, Dustin thinks that he got the gate open. Uh, <laughs> sure didn't. You know what? Her. Let's just let him think it. <laughs> if I was Jonathan, like, Jonathan is very nice to just be like, yeah, good job, buddy. If I was Jonathan, I'd be like, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> clearly, no. If Jonathan had done that, we would have been so mad at we him. We would have been so <laughs> angry at Jonathan. <laughs> So Bob is literally just going to like walk out of there, but there are monsters in the way. Um, so he turns on the sprinklers. So now he can go. Um, but he leaves the gun. <sighs> they have a shot of him yeah. just leaving the gun and every single time it's painful every single time. And like at no point while he's leaving, does he like reach for the gun? Mm-mm. You know? So it's like, I don't even know if that would have helped him anyway, because like, he doesn't have that instinct to like grab it. Yeah. So I don't know if that would have even saved him or helped him. But I don't it think still it would hurts. have, but yeah. It still hurts to see him leave it. So um, everybody's going to leave and Owens decides to stay in the cam room to help Bob. When I was first watching this season, you got you got no idea if Owens is bad or not. You know, yeah. he, he reads nice, but you never really know. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wanted to say, I have a very special place in my heart for Dr. Owens, uh, especially because the last guy who was running the lab was named Dr. Brenner, and he sucked. He I was just so surprised that terrible. Owens turned out to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so weird. Yeah, and, like, he's the one who, like, helps Elle get, like, her birth certificate and stuff. And, you know, he he's very helpful and really important. Yeah. I love him. Thank to you. a surprising degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everyone else gets out and Joyce is there waiting for Bob. Um, Owens helps Bob navigate and he has to hide in the closet, like you said. Um, It works and now he can go straight for the front door, but unfortunately a broom falls and the monster hears it, so he has to run. And he gets to Joyce, but the monster gets through and attacks him and Joyce basically like has to watch as he's ripped apart. Oh, it's It's so brutal. It's Um, so brutal. It's so sad too. I've mentioned it many a time, uh, but this is the part where my mom threw her water bottle at our television uh, because she was so angry. Um, She got really attached to Bob in season two, and um, this moment was just very egregious, Mm -hmm. especially the, like, final shot of him just laying there. Like, I know that it hurts to watch, especially as an audience member, but, Mm -hmm. like, I've, um, I've played a character in, like, a similar sort of role, so, like, I was in, like, a zombie play, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, I, like, find the antidote, and I, like, save everybody or whatever, but I, like, die in the process. I played, and I played a child, mm-hmm. um, and so, like, m- the entire play, my job was to get the audience to love me, mm. and it worked a lot. 
It's like the, the my entire job was to get the audience to care about me so that later the audience would have a big reaction to me dying. Right. Um, and it feels like that's what's happening. And, you know, as an audience member, I'm like, no, I hate you. <laughs> right. But like, as an actor, I think that it's really... Um, like, it's really rewarding. I think mm-hmm. Sean Astin was probably like, oh, it's nice that you guys loved him. Thanks exactly, for Exactly, yeah. It means that he did his job. The oh, reason for why we're sure. upset is because he did his job Because well. he did a did really good job, and my heart hurts. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Hopper tries to shoot the Demodogs, but there are too many, and they just have to run because he promised Bob that he would get everybody out. I have stared at the gif of him just, like, yanking Joyce out of there many a time, so I will, I will take my breadcrumb. And also, um, this time on my rewatch and while taking my notes, I noticed that, like, Joyce reaches for him and then they have a shot of Bob's hand, like, reaching, reaching out for, for her. her. Oh. And it's so devastating okay. because, like, it's it's a parallel shot of yeah. them just reaching for each other and, like, you know they can't do anything about it. And it's like, ow. That hurts my feelings. Netflix put out this, like, series of, like, episodes called Beyond Stranger Things after this season. And I think there was, like, a whole, not necessarily a whole episode, but, like, a whole segment in which they talked about the, um, like, this scene and how they did it and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so consider checking that out because, like, they had, I think one of their, like, writers or editors had to be, like, the demodog on top of Bob or something. Um. That sounds hysterical. Yeah. Uh, I have several um, fun facts from IMDb about this moment. Um, When Hopper pulls Joyce away after Bob is killed, it bears a striking similarity to the scene where Gandalf dies and Aragorn pulls Frodo away. Sean Astin starred in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, yeah! Like in episode six of this season, The Spy, there's an homage to aliens when Joyce tries to help a dying Bob, but is stopped by Hopper, who says, he's gone. This closely parallels the scene in Aliens where Vasquez tries to go to a dying Drake, but is stopped by Hicks, who says, forget him, he's gone. That's brutal. I haven't seen that movie in so long. It's been so long since I've seen it. And it's so good, too. Both Winona Ryder and Paul Reiser have been involved in the Aliens franchise. Um, Paul was in the first Aliens, and Winona was in Aliens Resurrection. Another one, uh, Sean... Aston made his final on-screen appearance in this episode as a cast member. Aston later made a guest appearance slash cameo as Bob Newby for a flashback in Susie Do You Copy? And he also appeared in a flashback in The Case of the Missing Lifeguard, but he was uncredited for that episode. Hmm. Uncredited? What? It was probably just so small that they just didn't didn't credit him for it. Um, And then, so lastly, uh, Bob... Uh, was always going to die. The writers revealed that their initial plan was to have Bob killed somewhere around the third episode. Oh, by, wow. By Will. Uh, <gasps> oh, wow. Who had been possessed by the Mind Flayer. However, they kept delaying their plans because they loved working with Sean Astin so much, and Astin insisted that he didn't care when Bob was killed as long as he was given a heroic death. Oh. That's really cool. I Thank God that they didn't have him killed by Will, because Will would have never... Would have been, he, he would have, have thought about it forever. Yeah. Oh, God. Could have ruined Will's life. Yeah. This is better. I'm just really like, thrilled for Will in next season that he doesn't have to be possessed or <laughs> like all he has to do is be lonely and wish he was playing Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> all season. I'm like, you know what? If this is what your problem's going to be, you deserve a break, buddy. Exactly. I hope that Will gets like a a good like meaty storyline next season mm-hmm. because like I meaty. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I just I I expect him to have more in season 3. And it feels like he sort of gets pushed to the side by, like, the story and his friends in season three. So I hope in season four that, like, maybe he teams up with Elle because they have a lot in common. And, and they're step-siblings now because yeah. uh, because Joyce took Elle in. 
Oh, yeah. Exactly. Um, so Jonathan grabs everyone in his car, and then Hopper also gets his truck, and now everyone's in a vehicle and ready to go. Mm-hmm. They're ready to go kick some ass. Um, and then we get the shot of Bob being just super dead and getting eaten by demodogs. This shot, while very cool... Extremely traumatizing. Yeah, a lot. I, I don't know if it was necessary. I think it's just, like, the show, like, sometimes really likes to lean into the violence. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, fine, okay. Um, so everyone's at the buyer's residence, and Jonathan is comforting Will, and Nancy is comforting Jonathan, and Steve is just, like, there, and it's kind of awkward. Um, but he sees it, and he just walks away. You know, he's very... Uh, he doesn't, like, say anything, because he knows that, like, now is not the time. Yeah. Um, he just has to be, like, sad about it, which is kind of sad. He d- um, just has to be going be emo. But that's another thing, is that, like, why Billy thought that Steve was an alpha. He's so non-confrontational. Like, he's just <laughs> not into it. <laughs> he's not an alpha at all. No. Um, so Hopper's on the phone, and the person is like, have you contacted the police? And he's like, I am the police, so it's not helpful to me. <laughs> Ma'am. <laughs> So, uh, this Who is, is he contacting, do you think? Uh, like, he's saying it's the military. Mm. Um, so I'm like, is this the FBI, then? That's what I figured it was the FBI. I guess. They're like, hey, can someone smaller than us deal with this? And he's like, I'm trying and I'm failing. Please help me. Does the FBI have a phone number? Like, can you just look that up? Maybe he knows it as a police chief. Mm, probably. I don't know. Does I feel the like FBI you, have a phone number? I feel like you probably can just look it up, because how else do you, like, tip off the FBI or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How else do you tip off the FBI? So they're all going to stay here and wait for help. Um, and Eleven comes later. She's the help. She says, I'm Queen. here. Yes. Uh, to be honest, it's an, it's a very adult move. You know? Like, I think that the kids and, you know, even Steve, who's like a, a teen, is like, well, we were told to stay here. Yep. So we're going to go so ahead and stay here. So we're going to. Mm-hmm. And all the kids are like, no, we have to go do something. And Hopper is like, hi, I'm an adult, and I know the best thing for us to do is to literally just stay here. Especially when they don't have the help of Eleven at this time. Yeah. He's like, we can't do anything. We're going to stay here and wait for help from people who will be able to help us. Exactly. So Joyce is sitting alone in her room and Hopper comes to comfort her and he just sits on the ground. He sits on the ground instead of beside her and he doesn't say anything. He just is with her, which is really nice. I think it's such a good moment. It's really, it's more interesting visually with him being on the ground and her being on the bed. But what do you guys think his thought process was there? I think he wanted to comfort her, but also give her space. Yeah, he and like I, didn't didn't want to be like, "Hi, are you ready for a rebound?" <laughs> right. Oh my god, can you imagine? I thought it was like a perfect way to just say, "Hi, I'm here for you," mm-hmm. but also, if you don't want me here, I can very easily leave you alone. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the kids just kind of sit around in silence and Mike finds the stuff that Bob brought for Will. Um, he says that Bob was the original founder of Hawkins AV and he's the one who petitioned to start it. He did a fundraiser for it and Mr. Clark learned everything from Bob. Okay, that's adorable. It's like such a good thing even to learn like posthumously. Mm Mm-hmm. And like it makes so much sense. Because he's he's a nerd. Yeah, and he's working at Radio Shack now. He's a precious Mm -hmm. little nerd. So Dustin coins demodogs as a phrase, um, and he tries to explain what a play on words is, and Max is like, okay. Max is like, I get it, I just think it's stupid. <laughs> like, I, I'm kind of on, on both sides here, because Dustin's, like, trying to explain it to Max, but, and she doesn't make any type of... 
She has no reaction. Well, she doesn't have. She doesn't make any type of acknowledge- acknowledgement that she understands what he meant and yeah. she understands the joke. So it makes sense to me that he would just like keep trying to explain the joke. Oh yeah, for know? sure. And then she's like, okay, and she's just like giving him like a confused look. So she's that's literally why like, he's explaining it. Whatever. Yeah. So like, I'm 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 with both of them here. So they say if we stop the mind flayer, we can stop his army. And they talk about the hive mind and how all of the parts feel everything. And they start talking about the mind flayer from D and D. And Steve's like, whoa, slow down. I'm very dumb. I, y- you're talking too fast. I do not have the brain capacity to keep up with you. It's actually so precious the way Steve's just like, can yeah. someone please pump the brakes? I'm so lost. <laughs> he, and he does it multiple times this episode where he's just like, huh? That, he's just, he's that's just me. He's just dumb. So then Lucas does his like echoing snap. And I don't really know what the point of it was because I don't know if they do that a lot, but it was very cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked it. So the Mind Flayer is a monster from an unknown dimension. It is so old that it doesn't know where it came from, and it enslaves races of other dimensions by taking over their brains. Um, And Hopper's like, um, this is not real. This is totally fake. And I'm like, it helped last season, and it'll help this season, okay? (laughs) Exactly! Like, even if it's not all true, at least it's like some sort of allegory for you to understand something. The thing that cracks me up is when Hopper is like, this isn't real, and I'm like... Neither are weird monsters that run at you and look like dogs and monsters at the same time, but somehow you're experiencing that this moment, Jim. I don't know how to tell you this, sir, but your, like, daughter thing that you've been hanging out with for a full year has superpowers. She's literally a supernatural being. So, I don't know. So, its goal is to conquer everything because it believes that it's the master race. Um, And Steve says, oh, like the Germans. And Dustin's like, no, like the Nazis. Steve doesn't mean anything bad about it. He's just really, really dumb. He don't don't mean to be racist, you know? He's just really stupid. Um, And I really love that Dustin knows more about this than Steve. Right. Dustin's like, no, you sound stupid. Please, you know what? Actually, stop talking, actually. I'm like, can you take take a breather over there? I'm like... Steve had the right energy here. Mm. He's like... He was trying trying to help. He's like, the Nazis were from Germany. Yeah. (laughs) Nazi Germany. (laughs) He's like, I've heard that. I've heard that. I went went to school. Yeah, you're right. Because because everyone else is saying such smart things and they continue to say smart things throughout the entire episode. Yeah. And Steve's like, he's like, here you go. Here's something to add. He's like, I know something. (laughs) And it's like, you know what? Yeah, the... Some Nazis were German, but not all of them. But, like, we can see where you got that connection, bud. So, um, if they kill this thing, then they can kill everything it controls. Which is, like, great, but we have not yet considered, and obviously this comes back next episode, we have not yet considered the fact that Will is part of this. Exactly. I know, I was like, so when are they gonna, oh, are you just not gonna, mm, nobody's considered it yet. You're gonna, you gotta get it out of Will. Yeah. Um, so on IMDb, it said that the title refers to a species of very powerful creatures in Dungeons and Dragons. Mind flayers come from the same mythos as Cthulhu and are tentacled-faced beings who can suck the minds out of their victims as a form of sustenance. Cool. Ew. It's kind of like how zombies go brains. But exactly. Do zombies actually eat brains? It feels like they just talk about them. No, they eat them. Do they? Yeah. That's oh, the yeah, whole I point. guess they do. I they guess tear they you up right. and eat you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like trying you. to remember. I, I don't watch a lot of zombie stuff. And so I was like, I've seen warm bodies. Yes, they do eat <laughs> brains. They, they eat brains in warm bodies. So the way that they defeat it is to summon zombies because they don't have brains. Um, and <laughs> Dustin's like, you know what? I think the analogy ends here. Yeah. He's uh, like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. It is just a game. Yeah, it's not. This part isn't actually helpful. I'm so sorry. Listen, he gave context. He did what he had to do. 
So Mike, of course, who always needs to be doing something, is like, shooting it with guns isn't going to stop anything. And what's the military, when they get here, even going to do? Exactly. Um, and Hopper's like, girl, I don't know. Like, I don't know anything. I'm just like... <laughs> Waiting for somebody who might know more than me. <laughs> it's not his job to know everything. Just something. So Joyce says that she does want to kill it. And Hopper, of course, like, I love how Hopper's like, Mike, 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 what are you doing? You're so stupid. And Joyce is like, I want to kill it. And he's like, Joyce, oh my God. Like, we, of course we're going to kill it. Like, me it. too. Yes, but, um, but like, I, we just don't know how right now. Like, <laughs> with Mike, he's like, we don't even know anything, Mike, you <laughs> idiot. And then he's like, Joyce, I don't know how to kill it. I'm so sorry. Can we do something to help you with this? Honestly, that's also how I would talk to Mike. He's like, Hopper, your, your, um. Your bias your is showing. Your bias is showing. <laughs> yeah. So they need to wake up Will because he knows stuff, so maybe he can help them. What they're going to do is, even though... Like, if they wake him up, he's going to know where he is and everything's going to be bad. So they need to disguise somewhere so that he doesn't know where he is. So even when he's awake, he can't send people or send the demodogs to them because he doesn't know where they are. Honestly, this is a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they use the shed. Um, and I like the use of the shed because um, this is the exact place where Will disappeared the first time. Exactly. exactly. So cool. Um, so Nancy's talking to Steve and she's like, you know what? Helping those kids was really cool. Did you not think that he would do that before? Like, you dated him for, like, a year. Like, who did she think she was dating? I don't... It doesn't feel like she knew him at all. I don't think she did. And, like, I don't know how much of a... Like, obviously he's been through such a transformation since season one. Mm -hmm. And she's made him a better person. And so I just find it, like, so strange that she was like, Wow, what a nice thing for you to do. And, you know, we saw Steve when that happened, and it was like a no-brainer for him. He was like, exactly. yeah, of course I'm gonna go help Dustin. So it's weird to me that Nancy is like, wow, I'm impressed, or like, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, like, so why say this? Is she trying to apologize? Yeah, I think so. I think she's trying to, like, start a conversation so that she can apologize. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure she does sort of apologize in the next episode. Yeah, because I think that's when the, I'm a bad boyfriend, but I'm a good babysitter. Yeah. Which, like, I already have, I have thoughts on that, because... Uh, I personally, in my opinion, Steve was not a bad boyfriend. Yeah, no, he wasn't. <laughs> no. Um, Nancy was maybe not a good girlfriend. Yeah, I gotta say. Um, um, so I, And I, I love Nancy, just by yeah. the way. Re-watching re it, I was like worried that Steve was gonna take it as like, um, uh, oh my god, Nancy's trying to get back together with me. Mm. Um, and I'm glad he didn't. Um, yeah. Because I think... And not that he's over Nancy, because later, like, at, at the snowball and everything, when he sees her, obviously, he's, like, upset and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think he knows that it's over, because, like, obviously, she's, like, still hanging out with Jonathan. Like, he finds her with Jonathan, and all this whole season when she's with Jonathan, you know, Billy making fun of him for it, Tommy H is making fun of him for it. Like, he knows that it's over. Right. It's not hard to follow those breadcrumbs. And not only was it cool of him to help out the kids... But it was also, it's so nice of him to stick around and stay here mm -hmm. when not only is he afraid of, like, whatever's happening here, but also, like, his ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend or whatever are, mm -hmm. like, being all cuddly and stuff Ugh. right in front of him. Like, I'd leave. Robin's <laughs> um, like, I'm out. I'm out. So Dustin apologizes to Lucas and he's like, it's okay if Max takes over my spot in the party because obviously he broke the rules pretty badly. Um, he calls Max Lucas's girlfriend and Lucas is like, it's chill. Like this isn't really happening. And Dustin says that he could feel the electricity, which is of course what Steve told him about. And I think that this is probably really nice to hear from Lucas, like for Lucas. Um, yeah, it's it, like validation. It's kind of like, you know, when you have a crush on somebody and then like you hear from one of your other friends, like, oh my God, you guys like 
that that flirting what was happening. Was that? Like, oh my god! And you're just like, wait, what? What makes you think that? Wait, why would you does, say? Why she, would you say that? She does like me back. Like, what are you? What are you talking about? What? what did she do that made you think like that? One time, let me tell you. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, I've got a, an anecdote. Okay? I'm prepared. So one time, I like sort of dated this dude one summer, and the next summer I was. Uh, hanging out with him again. Uh, yes, because, I, I recall this. Yes. Uh, because you were working somewhere similar. Yes, because we were working somewhere similar. And at that point, like, he had already, like, moved on or whatever. Um, and so I, like, knew that wasn't really going to happen or anything. Um, and then the girl who I was bunking with at that time was like, did anything happen between you guys? And I was like, what makes you say exactly. that? Exactly. Because she didn't know anything about that from last summer or whatever. And I was like, what makes you think that? And she was like, oh, just the way he like looked at you. And I was like, like how? <laughs> I was like, excuse me? Like I knew, like at that point he like had a new girlfriend and everything. So I knew, but I was like, but I need you to explain right now what the heck you meant by that though. Exactly. Right. And she was like, well, I can't like recreate it. And I was like, that's so unhelpful to me. Why would you say that? Now I'm going to spiral <laughs> about this and then FaceTime Brittany. <laughs> So I feel like for Lucas, it's probably like nice to hear that it's like wasn't just in his head. Mm-hmm. 100%. No. So then moving on to another scene <laughs> with less good feelings. Another scene. Yeah. Um, Max says to Mike, like, she knows why Mike cared so much for Eleven. She sounds really, really cool. Um, and Mike is still just like so rude. And he's like, you're not a part of this. And Max is like, okay, it's fine. Um, like, okay, so we both agree that Eleven was awesome. Great. Like, yeah, like that's like, all I was why, saying. Why are you yelling at me? We agree. <laughs> why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Mike says, until that thing took her just like it took Bob. Does he believe that? Does he? Because I was under the impression that he believes that Eleven was still alive. I thought he did too, because like he doesn't he try to reach her earlier this yeah. season and like yeah. just sit there and like think about her and mm-hmm. like. I think he had hope that she was still alive, but also knew that the there was a high possibility she was dead. Like maybe after seeing Bob, he was like, "Is that what happened to Eleven? Exactly. Like, do I, need to, I need to give up now. Yeah. Exactly. That that would make sense, but it, I feel like Bob getting eaten and. Eleven just disappearing. Yeah. Very different things. Those are but, way different things. But to, to Mike, it looks like maybe she blew up. Yeah. So. True. Right. Anyway, um, Mike doesn't need to be such a jerk to Max all the time. And yeah. it makes Mike just like deeply unlikable to me because yeah. I think like they wanted us to like Max and they did such a good job with making us like Max because she's so likable. Mm-hmm. And so by having Mike be a jerk to her all season makes Mike less likable. And I'm not really sure like what what their goal was there because he continues to be unlikable in my opinion in season three. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I thought Mike was like the main character. Like yeah. other than like Eleven. Like I thought Mike, especially in season one, Mike was like the main character. So I'm like, what was, so why did we do this? <laughs> I never warmed back up to Mike after this season. Yeah. I tried because like, He's a kid, right? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it never happened because mm-hmm. he just kind of continued to be really selfish. And I understand maybe that's just part of like who he is as a character and stuff. But the only time I really like Mike is when he's around Will. Right. Agree. I agree. I agree. So that's the end of the second third of the episode. Um, but before we move on to the third third, we're going to mm-hmm. talk to you a little bit about Patreon. Oh my God. Bitney, can you tell me anything about that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Patreon is a service where you can donate monthly to your favorite creators. Like, that's what I've heard. Oh, tell me more. Yeah, so, like, if you go to patreon.com slash autos, just, like, for example. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was that laugh? Like? I don't know what I liked it. <laughs> you can just become a... <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> you can become a 
become one of our patrons for a dollar a month. Starting at, it goes up higher, but like, you can start at a dollar. So what do I get for just a dollar a month? For just a dollar, you get early access to all of our pods by at least a day, because Robin's a speedy little editor. <laughs> Tag yourself, I'm a speedy little editor. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and is there anything that you get, like, yearly? Yearly, you get a postcard from... She asked me this as I was putting candy corn in my mouth. But why did you put candy corn in your mouth when you knew I was going to ask you more questions? Because my head is empty. Mm. Um, no, it's full of candy corn. That's tea. <laughs> I got candy, candy corn, corn debate. Like this podcast slash retweet if you like candy corn. Don't do that because more people will not retweet it. Hmm. We're going to have to put Repl- a poll. Put in the replies whether or not you like candy corn. So I think it tastes know. like candle. Like a candle. I think that is completely inaccurate. You're telling me it's not waxy? I think to it you? tastes like Halloween. I think it's waxy, but in a delicious way, like fondant. Ooh. Yeah. But most people fondant. don't like fondant either. Fondant is delicious. Fondant is like, delicious. If you don't like fondant, why? There's an entire Reddit committed to shaming people who use fondant. But it tastes There's like a lot marshmallows. Of See, but See, I, I don't even, I don't care that much for marshmallows. That's it. That might actually, that probably comes down to your opinion on marshmallows and the brand of fondant because some people make really bad fondant. What I the like, hell was I I like cooked about? marshmallows though. Is there anything that you get? All oh, right. <laughs> you get a postcard every year from us on our anniversary, which is coming up super soon. And this year, this, this month's actually for when this comes up is November 4th. You have until November 16th. Um, and usually we like do an extension till the end of the year for that, but not this year because... We are doing stickers of each of our little catchphrases, the OK Love You Bye and the AF logo. So um, we need to have like a head count by then basically to know how many stickers to order because they are all going to be hollow and pretty and they are each designed after our, our interests too, like our own individual styles. Yeah. And so if you're a patron, you get those for free. Um, but if you're not a patron, you don't. So make sure that you uh, sign up before November 16th. Um, what about $5 and up, Brittany? $5 and up, you get that stuff for free and... um. I don't, you get a discount on Robin and I's shop, which is shopbelux.com. I own Belux. Robin owns Hiberti. She makes fandom embroidery. I make basically anything that pops into my brain at this point. I, d- I make art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you functional art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we just branched into stickers, too, because uh, making stickers is really fun. Yeah. Uh, so for mine, I have um, Hopper and Joyce available, and I also have Steve. So um, check those out, uh, please. Her Steve design is incredible. It's the one with the baseball bat, you mm-hmm. guys, and which is, you know, iconic, obviously. And it also has the hair swoop, mm-hmm. so just go look at it and marvel at it and then purchase it. Yeah, because it's beautiful. I was worried about the nails on the bat, yeah. but like... They turned out so good. Yeah, no, they really did. So yeah, check that out. For and then sure. Joyce is season three, so you know their her hair is good. So like, that's go, go check it out. And then it's Hopper in his sheriff uniform. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you should check all those out. And I also have a whole bunch of other fandoms. I also have customs available. Um, if you want one for the holiday season, I would get that order in soon. Yeah. Also, her having customs means if you want one of the Stranger Things characters in a different outfit or a different season era look, style, whatever, uh, she can do that for you. Yeah, if you're like, well, it's nice that you have a Steve design, but I'd really prefer Scoops Ahoy Steve. I would love to make that for you. Oh my god, that would be so cute. Yeah. Or if you want Hawaiian shirt hopper, you know, you name it. Scoops Ahoy Steve and Scoops Ahoy Robin, that would be so cute. That would be so cute. cute. Hey, that's your name. Yeah. Cool. Is that it? 
I think so. I think so. <laughs> oh, annual memberships. We just recently put out annual memberships because uh, Patreon was like, some people like to pay annually. And I was like, oh, oh, oh yeah? So I, I made that an option. You get 10% off of that. So instead of paying um, like $60 for a whole year for a $5 membership, you would only pay $54 for the whole year. So you can check that out. A bunch of people have taken advantage of our annual yes. memberships already, which we really appreciate. Um, so go check that out. Uh, that link's in the description. So you don't even have to write anything down. Now we get to do uh, part three, and uh, I wrote the summary for that one, so here we go. I'm ready. They set Will up in the shed and wake him up. They all tell him really touching stories about how much they love him, trying to bring him out of his stupor. It doesn't work. He's still being controlled, but they notice that he seems to be tapping some sort of message out with his hand. It's Morse code, and it spells out here. They continue to tell him memories they have of him, and he taps out close gate. Now they know what their goal is, but the phone rings, and Will recognizes the sound. He immediately goes back into a trance and sends the Demodogs to them. As they arrive, one gets killed and thrown through the window. Bitchin' Eleven unlocks the door and enters. What a reunion. Woohoo! Incredible. Um, so Will, first of all, do be tied up and with lots of bright lights in his face. And they wake him up by having him smell ammonia. Does this rag smell of chloroform to you? <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone is in the shed, just Joyce, Jonathan, Hopper, and Mike. Um, inside the house, Steve is practicing his swinging because he is bored, um, and we don't all have smartphones at this time. Oh my god, can you imagine having to wait around for something and there's no phone to play with? Oof. Ugh, back in my day, we had to play with toys! <laughs> back in my day, we had to go outside with our skip it. That's true, we did, and my ankles still have the scars. Uh, or our razor scooter. Mm-hmm. Also I had a razor scars. scooter! <laughs> also ankle scars. I had a razor scooter. Where's my bop it? <laughs> oh. So Max is scared that Will will send the dogs if he figures out where they are. Um, and Lucas says that that would be judgment day. Dun, dun, dun. Hopper asks Will if he recognizes the drawing of the mind flare and he says no. So I guess the mind flare is like, no, like I've never seen myself in a mirror. So how am I to know? Yeah, it really, what? it's unfair to ask him. Yeah. Um, so he starts screaming and the lights are flickering because, you know, upside down stuff. And of course, Joyce is upset by seeing him so distressed. She brings up the fact that his birthday is March 22nd, which uh, I didn't see coming. Um, that makes him an Aries? Will Byers is not an Aries. He has no. no Aries energy at all. He has cancer energy. If he had been born just slightly earlier, he would be a Pisces, which would make way more sense. Like Pisces. Yeah, he's a water sign. Either way. I thought that perhaps that was like somebody's birthday. Like maybe that was actually Noah's birthday. And so they just decided to use that, but it's not. And then oh. I was like, maybe it's one of the, like maybe it's the Duffer's birthday or like Sean Levy's birthday or like somebody in the cast's birthday. I couldn't find it. I don't, <laughs> I'm like, if you're going to give somebody a birthday, you better consider what their, uh, what their Zodiac sign is. Thank you. So on his eighth birthday, she gave him crayons and he got lots of Star Wars toys, but he just wanted to draw and he drew a rainbow spaceship. Your thoughts on this rainbow spaceship? He's Will gay. is gay. I thoughts on the spaceship? Well, he's gay. Give Will a boyfriend in season four because everyone else is paired up and you might as well. I think it's really, if, if the long con here is to reveal that, that Will is gay, um, I will be very happy because like little things like this make sense. Mm -hmm. I think that they did this by accident <laughs> because I think that, um, I think that's true because like all of the Mike and Will stuff, I don't think that they realized that it would read so 
not necessarily romantic, but I think that a lot of, like, gay people who grew up like this saw mm-hmm. themselves in what was going on with mm-hmm. Mike and exactly. Will. And so, like, saw that um, there. And then with the Rainbow Spaceship, like, ultimately they just wanted it to be, like, the dude likes colors. He wanted he, to use yep. all his colors. He's so an he artist. a Rainbow Spaceship yeah. or whatever. Um, and then I think later... Like, I don't, I don't think they meant to make Will gay, like, this entire no, time until, no. like, this happened in season two, and then in season three they started to explore that. Yeah, I feel like with, I feel like they, they've just been toying with it, though, the mm-hmm. whole yeah. time, because, like, there are bits and pieces from the first two seasons that I'm like, ah, is he? And then in season three they're like, well, maybe. I, I'm, I'm still, like, partial to the idea that Will might be ace, because I, I, I also see part of that... Like, oh, I, for sure. I see part of myself in him as well. Um, and also, I, I always like to point out that in season three, they didn't say Will likes boys. They said Will doesn't like girls. <laughs> and, like, it could also be that Will is ace and homoromantic. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, fully. I also don't match, so <laughs> I guess I would relate to that as well. So Joyce took the drawing and she put it up at Melvald's and Will was embarrassed by this, but she was really proud of him and it was really great. I think that's so sweet. Um, Noah has no lines this scene, but he's truly just doing the most and I love that. He's so him. good. I bet that they had no idea. Actually, I'm, I'm willing to not even just bet. I know this to be true. <laughs> They had no idea what a powerhouse they casted in season one. No, they had not no at all. Will was supposed to be a random child who, like, left. Yeah. And, like, came back. And, like, they had no idea. And, like, he's barely in season one. Yeah. But season two, Noah just knocks it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't, like, uh, there's no way that they knew. Like, they didn't cast him for this. Right. And he, he just ended up being great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So Jonathan starts talking about how they made Castle Byers together the night that Lonnie left, um, because for some reason Jonathan's stories always just like bring up Will's and his and Will's trauma. For some he's reason. like the only emotional stories I have for you are the times we were really sad together because yeah. our parents were fighting. Yeah, and it's like that's valid because they both um, suffered trauma because their dad's a piece of shit. But <laughs> bro, don't you have any like happy memories? Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan, is this why you're so emo? <laughs> uh, he says that um, Castle Byers was originally one of Will's drawings, and they decided to make it, but it took a really long time because Will was so bad at hammering, which is, like, really cute because Jonathan and Joyce, like, laugh about it now or whatever. But if I was Will, I'd be like, well... T- Excuse me, I was five. <laughs> yeah, I was, right. like, trying, but whatever. They stayed out there in the rain, and they got sick, but they had to finish it. So, Will, it was your fault that we got sick because you were so garbagey at hammering. Well, Thanks. way to go, Will. <laughs> and I'm like, Jonathan, could you tell a story that's, like, fun and nice? <laughs> and, like, makes him happy. Like, he's like, you know, this was a really fun memory that we had, and I loved building it with you, but gosh, you sucked at it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was just being nice out there, letting you do it. I wish I would have done it myself. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) So Will is tapping something, um, and then Mike starts telling the story about how he and Will met the first day of kindergarten, and he had no friends, and he was really scared, but Will was also alone on the swings, and so they became friends, and it was the best thing that he's ever done. I, like, really love Joyce and Jonathan's stories, but I think that Mike's is the most Mm hard-hitting. And, like, the fact that, like, Joyce is very proud and everything, and so, but she doesn't cry, which is, like, fine. Yeah. Um, and Jonathan... Does Jonathan cry? I don't... Or I can't he's, remember. He's kind of, he might be crying. Either way, the one single tear that, like, goes down Finn Wolfhard's face, I'm just it's like, so oh, good. you got me! Yeah. I remember the first time watching this, bawling my eyes out. I... 
Yes. I th- I think this story and then the second story that Joyce tells and a little yeah. bit about the him giving about the little girl the little girl the truck. Those are the ones that are most effective in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Um another fun fact that I found it said the Duffers also revealed that the interrogation scene between Will and the group was very difficult and unlike anything they had shot before because it didn't feature any music. It was an unusually quiet scene for the show, uh, especially after having such a big action scene in the lab, and they praised Finn and Winona's performances for making the scene much more emotional. Um, so Will is, like, fighting to get out, but he just can't. I, I'm a huge fan of this moment because you can see the change in his face. Like, you can see... Yeah, it's crazy. You can see Will trying to get out, and you can see the Mind Flayer getting control back. And it's crazy. I'm like, sir, how old... He was, like, what... 14 at this time? Yeah, like, right. Uh, the kid's talent is just, it's completely uh-huh. unparalleled. So Hopper notices the tapping and they realize that he was tapping out the word here. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's really cute that um, Dustin like has to check uh, a Morse code thing, um, like a like a dictionary yeah. for Morse code, but Will knows Morse code. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. It is, it is really cool. He just memorized it. One of his many hobbies. Mm-hmm. So, um... Everybody heads back into the house, um, and they fully left him alone out there. He's literally possessed by something terrifying, um, and there's they're just leave him out there. Like, literally, all four of them who were in the shed are now inside. I'm like, he could have gotten out. <laughs> Robin had some thoughts on this when we were watching. She was just like, what are you doing? Don't leave him there. So they start talking about Morse code, and Steve's like, what that? And, like, all of the kids <laughs> are like, it's Morse code, <laughs> because all the children are smarter than Steve. Um, he's, he's doing his best. I feel that, uh, most of the children could have written a better essay than Steve did at the beginning of this season. (laughs) That's absolutely true. Steve just is really earning his himbo status in this Mm -hmm. episode. Exactly. Um, so Jonathan plays Should I Stay or Should I Go for him and talks about how he gave him a mixtape when their parents were fighting. So just another story (laughs) about their trauma. Hopper sends the code through to the kids inside using his walkie talkie and they spell it out. Mike tells him about one of their campaigns and Joyce says once Will saw a sad girl in the sandbox and he offered to share his toys and said that there was no way that they could have afforded buying a new one, but he said that she should have it anyway because she's sad. Oh, it's just such a good moment. And and is totally in character for Will. Yep, yep. Even though we've hardly seen Will, he's so, um, he's like very clear to me. Yeah, yeah. Even though we haven't spent a lot of time with him. He's completely fully formed because of the way other characters talk about him. Yeah, exactly. So he hears the phone and Dustin immediately hangs it up. Like, wasn't that the military coming to help you? (laughs) Probably. And then they try and call again because it's the military trying to help them. And Nancy just grabs it and breaks it off the wall. They just bought a new phone. Like, Joyce is going to need to buy another new phone. (laughs) Thanks so much. So Will goes back into the trance and sends the dogs and they have to knock him out again. And basically, like... They got to take him back into the house and try and hold down the fort. Um, Hopper grabs a gun and tells him to get away from the windows. And it makes sense that they would immediately want to watch for the dogs because they're children. Yep. Hopper asks if Jonathan can use the gun and he sort of hesitates. And Nancy offers to do it instead because, first of all, she can use a gun. Um, And season one, uh, Jonathan had told Nancy that he didn't like hunting and the story of the rabbit with his dad and everything. And he just, like, wasn't very confident in doing it and just didn't like it. And so it's like... I'm that, not going to drag him for this. That was fair. Yeah, that's that, so that's consistent. And also, mm-hmm. it's nice that Nancy was like, don't I even ask him about that. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah I think it's a good moment for both of them. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just a, such a cool... Like, Hopper would assume that Jonathan would know how. Yeah. And he wouldn't assume that Nancy would know how because mm-hmm. she's, like, prim and proper, like, yeah. lady... Stereotype. Yeah, I'm not, stereotype, even, I'm, stereotype. I'm not even gonna, like, dock 
hopper points for that one. Right. <laughs> and, like, her parents don't even seem like the people who would know how to yeah. shoot a gun. So, the fact that Nancy does, and, like, that he just, like, tosses it to her, it's, it's a cool moment. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, she's like, I'll do it, and Hopper's like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Some girl? <laughs> yeah. No. He's like, alright, yeah, sure. Pop so, off. Nancy and Hopper have guns, Steve has his bat, um, thanks so much to Lucas for helping out with the slingshot, and thanks so much to Mike for just having a candlestick, I guess. Mike's just around. I think it's a, uh, trophy. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh! Yeah, okay, for what? What does Jonathan want? <laughs> like... I, probably, it's probably Wills, and it's probably like, from, like, a smart oh, yeah. thing. Right, we've seen, uh, we saw that picture of them in season one with, like, the trophy for, like, the AV club thing, or, like, whatever yeah. is with Mr. Clark. Yeah. So, perhaps Will has many trophies. So, a dead demodog smashes through the window, and then on IMDb it said, In the final scene, the group members find themselves trapped inside the buyer's house, threatened by demodogs, until there's a strange noise outside that suggests that someone or something else has arrived. The door is suddenly opened from the outside. Eleven, who is presumed dead by many, enters the doorway. This closely mirrors a scene from Alien Resurrection, which also featured Winona Ryder. A group of people are trapped inside a big elevator shaft threatened by aliens, but unable to open the only exit door. Suddenly, an alarm goes off, signaling that the exit has been opened from the outside by someone or something. As the door opens, the mysterious person is revealed to be Winona Ryder's character, who was at that point presumed dead as well. That's awesome. Nice. I am learning that I need to go watch Alien Resurrection. <laughs> right? So the door unlocks, which of course is like Eleven's thing that she does. She unlocks mm-hmm. the door. Um, and she walks in in slow-mo. And I, Mike's face is just like kind of iconic in this moment. It's mm-hmm. very, very good. Finn Wolfhard is very talented. Yes, he is. In Beyond Stranger Things, the Duffers revealed that Eleven's reunion with Mike at the end of this episode was originally planned to have taken place at the snowball of the season finale. I like it here. Yeah, this is much better. How would it have... Why would they have done that? I don't... Because then... I don't know. What, is it supposed to be like a cliffhanger? Like, is she just supposed to not show up at the house and, and like show up somewhere to the else? Gate with Hopper or something? And we're just supposed to see her reunite with Hopper? Like, I, I don't know. I like it here. It gives it time. Yeah. yeah. Would, would she just show up in, like, her pretty blue dress and Mike would have been like, Glaw? Like... That would have been... Yeah. That would have yeah. been bad. I would not have liked that. So all season, I've been talking about how I would have liked the Lost Sister episode here. Mm-hmm. Um, after having rewatched it, I feel like I still would have been mad <laughs> if it had happened here. Potentially less mad, although I wouldn't. I wouldn't know because mm-hmm. these are two completely separate dimensions. <laughs> right. But yeah, I I just really feel like the Lost Sister had to be interspersed because. Either way, if it had been pr- before this episode or after this episode, I would have been like, there's so many more important things for me to exactly. be watching yeah. this. I think it would have been cool either way, like, to have seen Bitchin' Eleven and then learn how Bitchin' Eleven came to be. Mm-hmm. But the plot is just racing towards the finish line at yeah. this point. It's, uh, and I think it was at the end of, like, two episodes ago as well. So It was. It absolutely yeah. was. So it's just like, ugh. The, the Lost Sister episode is just so, um, just out it, of place. It doesn't fit. Yeah. It's like, it It could have fit if they had woven it in mm-hmm. the whole time, but it's just like the cold open of the whole season, and then one whole episode. Yeah. And exactly. it's like, no. Yeah. Um, so that's all I got for the, uh, for the episode. We have one episode left. That's crazy. I know. 2020 really flew by because we didn't do much. <laughs> Yeah, like, in my head, it's still March, but, like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, we're going to move into segments. So, my first segment is Good Guy Steve Alert. Um, Good Guy Steve Alert. Steve remembers Dustin's cat's name. That is wholesome. He really cares. Good Guy Steve Alert. Steve doesn't confront Nancy about her fully just leaving him for Jonathan. 
Because he knows there are more important things. Yep. boy. That's, he, that's he good guy Steve. He does nothing toxic. Mm-hmm. You have to stand. Good guy Steve alert. He tries to help out with the Nazi thing. He just fails. <laughs> he didn't mean to be racist. He's sorry. It's so cute. Is it racism? I don't what think is it's racism. It? I think it's like xenophobia. Maybe. Because German isn't a race, right? No. What is it? Nationality? Right. Ethnicity? We're ignorant. <laughs> I have to look this up now. I think it's xenophobic. They're giving me the German language. I want to know about the German like nationality. I wanted to know. I just Googled German people because I kept getting the German language. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was German people saying squirrel is what also came up. Sure. Germans are a Germanic ethnic group native to Central Europe who share a common German ancestry, culture, and history. So So ethnicity. Yes. He's being... He didn't... Accidentally intolerant of the There you go! (laughs) Uh, You know what? He didn't mean to be offensive. He didn't mean to be offensive. He didn't mean to be offensive! That's it. That's it. It took us that long to find the word offensive. (sighs) All right. And my segment is how garbagey was Jonathan in this episode. Um, once again, not very garbagey. This segment slapped harder in season one, yeah. I would say. Um, Which we didn't even do it in season one. Yeah, like it made more sense in season one. I think it's just that I don't like Jonathan. Um, I don't care for Jonathan. No, I don't like Jonathan. <laughs> um, but I try not to be too obvious about it. I think I am, though. He, he wasn't He wasn't garbagey at all. I mean, the stories he told were... Uh, Questionable? Yeah, he's always like, hey, do you remember when mom and dad were bad parents? And I'm like, Jesus Christ. So, like, maybe a two? Yeah, I would say a two. Okay. Yeah. A two for not being able to come up with a fun story. Yeah. And my segment is, did Jopper acknowledge their obvious history in this episode? And I'm going to give it a yes. Because Hopper saves her life, even though uh, he cannot save Bob. And then he just sits with her because he understands her and knows what she needs uh, during this time. Yeah. Because he's a good person. That's wholesome. Yeah. Now it's time for our best line award. Uh, my best line award goes to Hopper and Bob for... It's a computer programming language. All right, teach it to me. Shall I teach you French while I'm at it, Jim? How about a little German? <laughs> hey, speaking of German. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I love, I love a sassy Bob. That's so funny. As a sassy Bob myself. <laughs> oh my God, you are a sassy Bob. <laughs> I'm thrilled. And my favorite line award also goes to Hopper and Bob for... All right, you know how to use my... No? <laughs> no. In, in, in what world would, would Bob would know? Bob know how to use the sidearm? Bob, Jim's like, you good? He's like, no. No, like absolutely not, no. And uh, my favorite line award goes to Bob as well for... It's gonna be okay. Remember Bob Newby, superhero. Because he is a superhero. You know what? He de- uh, On his last episode, he deserved to get all three favorite line awards. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you're so inclined, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be really great. Maybe give us those stars. Um, we have five podcasts, and this one is our most underrated. I feel like not enough people listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Probably just says it. Everybody. Like, yeah. It's like, I know you're listening to it, but tell a friend about it, mm. because... We really love this one. I love this one. I have a great time every single time. Same. Um, so definitely write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Um, even if you just want to do the little stars, that's also great. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. Robert and I um, actually just finished 
the series wow. finale mm-hmm. recently, and um, it was bad. What a relief! <laughs> yeah, it was uh, that that last season was a lot of what it was, uh, and what it was was not very good, which was disappointing because uh, historically we have really loved this show, and yep. that's, it was disappointing. It was a letdown, yeah. but mm-hmm. um, our podcast is not a letdown. Mm-hmm. And we will be going back to cover the first three seasons, which are actually good. Yeah, so that'll be good. That is showing up in uh, January 2020, so... Uh, 2021. 2021. We are not repeating this year, Robin. <laughs> Please, so sorry. <laughs> if you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show, too. We have covered all four seasons of the show right now, and whenever it comes back, we'll cover that fifth season, too. Can't wait. <laughs> if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show, too. Um, we have finished season one, we have finished season two, we're at the mm-hmm. beginning of season three. Um, I'm thrilled, I love season three, so that's great. We have a spoiler section at the end, which means that most of the podcast is spoiler free, so if you're watching with us for the first time, you can. Uh, in my opinion, it is uh, the epitome of what television should be, so I recommend it wholeheartedly. Yeah. And we also have guests over there, so if you are a fan of Lost, uh, hit us up, maybe we can find a time for you to come on the podcast for an episode. Yeah, if you want to talk about Lost, come do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about about that show too. We have a podcast covering the whole first season of Star Trek Picard and Brittany and I have some other plans for that feed that will eventually uh, come to fruition so you should check it out. We just work a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You can follow the Fictionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter with a side of Tumblr where Robin makes gifts of our favorite line awards. Yeah. Our Patreon, like we said, is patreon.com slash the Fictionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because oof. It do be expensive. Yeah, she's expensive. Um, like we said, uh, $1 or more um, a month gets you early access to all of our podcasts. And uh, this year, it gets you a uh, postcard with five stickers. Um, and get on that before November 16th, because we are not taking people past November 16th this year. Um, and 10% off at choppylux.com for people who are $5 and more. Yay! Um, but even if you can't help us out on Patreon, maybe check out choppylux.com anyway, um, because uh, we have some really cool stuff there, and that's a way that you can help us monetarily without joining our Patreon. Um, although I don't know why you wouldn't, because our Patreon is dope. Yep, it's true. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-U-I-S. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can check out my business at Hi Birdie, which is H-I-B-Y-R-D-I. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot to like promote my own business. I'm really bad at this, I think. And you can follow it on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Yay! I had a viral TikTok recently. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. you know what they say about small business TikTok? They, the minute you get one viral thing, you make a lot of sales. And I know because Robin and I share notifications and um, all I've seen lately is Robin's notifications and every time she gets one, I'm just like, holy shit. (laughs) If you want something for the holiday season, I suggest you get on it now because I need to add it to a list. Yeah. Uh, Our next episode is episode 209. It's The Gate. It is the season finale and it comes up December 16th. So, uh, that, and then that's it. That's season two. And we're going to be doing the same thing in 2021 for season three, um, taking the entire year to do, uh, to do a season. That's crazy. I'm excited for. And then, uh, hopefully we'll have some season four by then. Nice. That would be nice. Yeah. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay. Love you. Bye.